Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, how's it going, everybody? Chris Trapasso here. Welcome in to another episode of the Prospect Podcast. You know, everything over the past week or so has been centered around news from NFL training camps, the Hall of Fame weekend, which I thought in terms of the inductees and their speeches was spectacular. The Hall of Fame game itself, as usual, was pretty dull. And the fact that we have preseason games for the other 30 teams in the NFL this weekend is really at the center of the football universe now. But here at the Prospect Podcast, we are a draft podcast first and foremost. I do love diving into young NFL players as well. This will be my fifth draft class, fully scouting an entire class of draftees at CBSSports.com. So it's just logical that I'm spending time writing and talking about these players as their rookies, second-year guys, or getting to the end of their rookie contracts. But because this is a draft podcast, first and foremost, it's time to kind of switch gears and talk about this upcoming college football season that I think if you're listening in somewhere like Austin, Texas, or uh, Boise, Idaho, or Lincoln, Nebraska, Columbus, Ohio, Ann Arbor, Michigan, South Bend, Indiana, it's not really that much about the NFL for you. It's the start of college football that's less than a month away. Got a great slate to start. Always that there's that week zero that usually is like a Mountain West game. It's not super compelling, but week one is fantastic. And I want to talk about an article that is going live this morning at CBSSports.com. An article idea that I thought of. Which quarterback prospects are the legitimate candidates to be the next Zach Wilson? Or the next Joe Burrow or Kyler Murray or Baker Mayfield. And what do I mean by that? Well, if you think about it, over the last six drafts, there has been a quarterback who before his final season in college was either widely considered a day three selection, a day three type talent, or someone not even on the draft radar whatsoever, who ultimately landed either at number one overall which would be for the case of Kyler Murray and Baker Mayfield and Joe Burrow, or somewhere inside the top three. That would be Zach Wilson, Carson Wentz, and Mitchell Trubisky. Really top two. Mitchell Trubisky was a second pick. Carson Wentz, second pick. Zach Wilson, second pick just a few months ago. And I think this is an important article to at least try to identify these quarterbacks because – Again, before last season, no one had Zach Wilson as a first-round pick. No one. Definitely not a top half of the first-round talent or a top two overall pick. Burrow had an okay first year as a starter at LSU, but no one expected him to be throwing for 60 touchdowns and winning a national title the following season with the Tigers. Kyler Murray had barely played at Texas A&M and Oklahoma. 
And Baker Mayfield, I think before his final season, because he had been so productive at Oklahoma, people thought, okay, he could go third, fourth, fifth round. He's kind of in this gimmicky air raid. It hasn't really fully caught on yet. Trubisky hadn't even started. So there was he was off the draft radar, and he goes number two overall. And Carson Wentz, coming from North Dakota State, he was completely off the draft radar too. I mean, I, I think some big-time draft Knicks saw the size and the arm talent with him and the creativity at times, but no one was projecting him as a top 10 or top 5 or top 2 overall selection. So for as much as it's easy to get – enamored with these preseason rankings and preseason big boards. I'm truly not the biggest fan of them because similar to what happens with the college football rankings in terms of teams, you with these big boards, I think it's easy to kind of stick to those preseason rankings as the season is progressing. When I'm a big proponent, and I believe I said this on the last podcast, I scout the final season at college. I mean, if there's a huge coaching change or pre-injury, I scout a player's final season because if I'm projecting him forward to the NFL, I'm not saying, well, yeah, back in 2016, he was actually pretty good. He hasn't been good since then, but it's it's in there. It's, it's on film somewhere. So I, I think it's important to just pinpoint these names because for as much as we want to stick to – the big boards before the season comes out, there's the last six years, there has been a name basically out of nowhere or from the day three ranks consensus who's gone super early in the draft. So I'll kick off and hey, maybe none of these guys become the next Zach Wilson or Joe Burrow, but I think they have a good opportunity because of their situation, how they're coming from relative obscurity, and they're pretty talented. Now, before I begin, I will say, and I noticed in the article at cbssports.com, you can read the article live this morning, Wednesday morning. I do note that some of the, I'm going to call them two mainstream quarterbacks that I did not include, like Emery Jones from Florida. He was a big recruit. He flashed a little bit. Mike Renner of PFF has done a great job kind of highlighting him as the potential breakout star. And maybe he will be. Maybe he could have been on this list because Joe Burrow had started and was a big recruit at Ohio State and then transfers to LSU. And he flashed a little bit, especially in that bowl game against UCF that ruined that UCF perfect season. But I didn't want to pick someone from Florida that already had some hype. I did not also include Matt Corral from Ole Miss, Desmond Ritter from Cincinnati, Carson Strong from Nevada, and he could have been included coming from that smaller school. But I've already read and seen too much about him, too much hype. And again, these guys, a lot of them, Trubisky and Wentz and Murray, just did not have any hype whatsoever or barely any. Georgia's JT Daniels is not included. UCLA's Dorian Thompson-Robinson. Pittsburgh's Kenny Pickett, who I've heard a lot of NFL teams like a lot more than the consensus draft opinion on him among uh, or in draft Twitter. So keep an eye on Kenny Pickett from Pittsburgh. He started for a long time, and he's very poised inside the pocket. I also, the last two, did not include Brock Purdy. PFF's been on him for a long time. And Jaden Daniels, a huge recruit at Arizona State, 
flashed as a freshman, like a lot of these players, wasn't amazing in that abridged, weird COVID season, especially in the Pac-12 where they canceled the season and they decided to play late and they only played four games. I wasn't going to hold that against him, but he's already on the radar as well. So some of those guys could ultimately be the next Joe Burrow or Zach Wilson. I want to dive deeper. I'm going to start in Boise State, at Boise State, with their quarterback, Jack Sears. And Jack Sears might not even be the starter. There's Hank Bachmeyer there who started as a freshman. He's dealt with some injuries. They're battling it out in camp right now. And we might not know who's going to start week one for the Boise State Broncos until maybe the week before the game. But Sears is fascinating. He's one of the more fascinating guys in this group because he was the number four pro-style quarterback in the high school recruiting class of 2017. He's barely played. He made one start last season for Boise State. And he began his career at USC. And he actually threw 28 passes as a redshirt freshman in 2018, stepping in for Sam Darnold. But then with JT Daniels and Keaton Slovis ahead of him on the depth chart going into 2019, he decided to transfer. And obviously because we've barely seen Jack Sears throw the football, I'm not going to say I, I noticed this, I noticed that. He shows this tendency or is weak in that area. We just haven't seen that much from him. But in those two starts at USC and last year against Air Force, he looked spectacular. And not just operating the offense, but Sears showed big-time arm talent down the football field. The zip at the in, at the intermediate level, and the athleticism that I think a lot of teams want out of their quarterbacks today. Khalil Shakir, his top wide receiver, probably could have been a fourth or a fifth round pick had he entered last year's draft. He's back. He's going to be really good. So I, I'm very interested in if he wins this job, Jack Sears, that he could be that guy that has a huge season at Boise State and ultimately uh, skyrockets up draft boards. The talent is there. He was a major recruit that was at USC. The second guy on this list, Chase Garbers from California. You've probably heard of him. If you follow college football at all, and you're a fan of just the game in general, Garbers has been starting for the last couple of years for the Cal Bears. He was only the number 12 pro-style quarterback in that same recruiting class 2017 as Jack Sears, which is for him, pretty good. I mean, the 12th best pro-style quarterback in the country is pretty impressive. But compared to some of the other players on this list, he's actually a lesser recruit. It kind of shows on film. Garbers doesn't have a rocket of an arm. Kind of throws. There's a little weirdness to his delivery. But I like the fact he gets it out quick. He shows his ability on mostly in-breaking routes, slants, or drag routes to kind of drop it down sidearm like a shortstop and get it out quick with a lot of zip on it. And I like his touch on those slot fades 20 to 25 yards down the field. And he really wants to run with the football too. Like Sears, he's a good athlete. I'm not going to say he's going to be used in the design run game in the NFL. I think Sears at Boise State is a little bit more athletically capable. But Garber's... There was a lot of buzz about him heading into 2020 that he could be the breakout guy, like 
I mentioned earlier, Arizona State's Jaden Daniels, that breakout never really occurred. And really right now, Chase Garber's best season at Cal was in 2019. Almost 61% completion, 8.2 yards per attempt. It's a pretty good number for college. 14 touchdowns and three picks. He has a, uh, a tendency, and I can say that there's a tendency with him because he's played so much, that if he doesn't like what he sees, there are times where he's very patient and poised in the pocket. But a lot of times, if it's like third and six, and he looks right, doesn't like what he sees, looks over the middle, his check down's not there, he'll take off to the left and run. There's not a lot of hesitation to his game. He needs to clean up some accuracy, some decision-making issues, I think, at times. But in terms of just the talent he possesses as a quarterback, I don't think he's that far off from where Joe Burrow was. And I think it's important to remember with Joe Burrow that he was not someone entering that 2019 season that was on the radar because he does not have a huge arm. And he's not an insane athlete. In that final season, his improvisation was tremendous. But it's not like we saw that coming. And his arm didn't make you go, whoa, this could be a first-round pick. didn't make you sit up in your seat. That's kind of how I feel about Chase Garbers. The next quarterback, Jarrett Garitano, now at Washington State, the second transfer on this list. Again, if you follow college football, you definitely know about Garantano. Played for four years at Tennessee. And he was a big recruit, the number one dual threat quarterback in the class all the way back in 2016. He had three seasons completing over 60% of his passes at Tennessee, but... His most efficient season in terms of yards per attempt was 2019 at 8.4 yards. The decision-making is clearly lacking, and I don't believe he is, even four years into his college career, that quick of a processor. So that could kind of hinder his ceiling. But the ball jumps out of his hands, and he is very effortless as a runner. By the way, a few quarterbacks that he was listed ahead of in that 2016 dual threat quarterback class, Jalen Hurts, Shane Bichelle from SMU, or Texas and then SMU, Skylar Thompson, who's at Kansas State, almost made this list, Jamie Newman of Wake Forest, and then Georgia, but never playing at Georgia. So he was a big time recruit that's now at Washington State. In an offense, certainly not Mike Leach anymore. It's the Rolovich offense. That is going to be quick strike, a lot of easy completions, get it out fast, and then some deep shots down the field. I think that's the perfect offense for Garantano because he does have a big arm, an effortless, like very fundamentally sound throwing motion. The ball jumps out of his hands, like I said, but there were times where he held the football too long in Tennessee. And in the SEC, with the pass rushers that they continue to churn, he got took a lot of sacks, a lot of fumbles, a lot of bad decisions against complex defenses. He's not going to see as much of that in the Pac-12. And he's in an offense that's going to ask him, get it out to that first read, be decisive, be more assertive with the football. I think that's what Garantano needs. Now, I will say at this point, you can kind of it's kind of a double-edged sword with him in that, 
He's already thrown 808 passes, so scouts will love that. But there could be, and there probably will be, a thought that, hey, he already is who he is. So even if he has a really big season at Washington State, people are going to say, well, I'll go back and watch 2019, 2018, 2017 and see someone that does not look like a first-round pick. But the talent is there, the raw ability, the arm talent, throwing on the run, eluding defenders. He's not like the most fluid athlete on the planet at the quarterback spot, but he can pick up chunk yardage on a broken play or a busted coverage or when he can't find anything, he can run up the middle, make it one defender miss, accelerate down the field. So there's the athleticism there to his game as well. And I think just being at Washington State is better than a more traditional, like drop back, one, two, three progressions uh, style offense like he had most of his time at Tennessee. I mean, Washington State, again, different coach, but a similar concept, uh, spread, a lot of open, big passing lanes. I think that's the best thing for Garantano. Another transfer on this list, Anthony Brown, who's now at Oregon. And we actually saw him. If you were watching the bowl games late last year, Anthony Brown played in the bowl game, in the Fiesta Bowl against Iowa State. He looked pretty comfortable. But you probably mostly remember Anthony Brown from his time at Boston College. He's another one very experienced, multiple years as a starter. And I thought early on in his college career, at Boise, at uh, Boston College, he looked like someone that had a lot of potential, but just started his career as mainly a running quarterback. That's kind of what he was. He was a dual th- dual threat recruit, the number twenty three dual threat recruit in the class of twenty sixteen, and that's kind of the player he was early in his career with the Eagles. Like 52% completion as a freshman, 11 touchdowns, 9 picks, only 5.3 yards per attempt. But then each year he improved. The next year, the completion percentage got up to 55%. Yards per attempt, 7.4. Better touchdown to interception ratio, 20 to 9. And then in 2019 as a junior, 59% completion in only 6 games. He got injured. 9.1 yards per attempt with 9 touchdowns and 2 picks. And the running ability at like 6'2", 6'3", 225, 230 is definitely there. I believe of any of the quarterbacks on this list, Anthony Brown has the best opportunity to be someone that's used in the designed run game at the next level. Like make you miss in the hole, accelerate, contact balance, deceptive power, speed, I think he's deceptively fast, too. He has that. And I like that he's someone that does not need to have a perfect platform to rip a football at the intermediate level. That I even noticed in that Fiesta Bowl against Iowa State, from mostly clean pockets, there were some very impressive NFL-style throws from the far hash on a deep out. Didn't have to put his whole body into it. Didn't have to take a big stride forward. Kind of a flick of the wrist type of throwing motion. So he has a very strong arm. Needs to rein in the accuracy a little bit, especially down the field. 
But Oregon's going to be really good. They're going to be in the spotlight. That defense is probably going to buoy that team. But Anthony Brown, if he wins the starting job, and he probably should at Oregon, he's going to be in the spotlight. Like, I think there is some stronger version of Dennis Dixon to his game. And I know Dennis Dixon never really panned out in the NFL, but he played in the NFL for a while. And he was so lanky, dealt with injuries. Anthony Brown's a big, strong quarterback. He's not your 6'6", 240, but 6'2", 230 is a big quarterback in terms of just the, the thickness on his frame. And he's got a better arm than Dennis Dixon did. Dennis Dixon really had a long delivery to get the football down the field. Anthony Brown doesn't have to do that. I'm excited to watch him because he is that quarterback and to kind of liken it to someone else recently kind of reminds me of Kellen Mond in terms of his maturation. That Kellen Mond was a big dual threat recruit at Texas A&M and that's the quarterback he was as a freshman. He looked to his first read unless the guy was completely wide open. Kellen Mond was running with the football. And then by year two and year three, with Jimbo Fisher coming in, he settled in and became a pretty poised and comfortable and efficient pocket passer. Anthony Brown is probably a little bit behind in terms of just what he can do from in the pocket routinely to dice up a secondary than where Mon was entering his final season at Texas A&M. But Anthony Brown's more physically talented than Mond. He's more effortlessly athletic and the arm talent is more impressive. The strength of his arm and the ability to make throws on the run with a lot of zip, a tight spiral and good accuracy. Next candidate to become maybe the next Zach Wilson or Joe Burrow, Jarrett Daggy of West Virginia. He began his career at Bowling Green, but has been the Mountaineer starter for the last two seasons. He was the number 55 dual-threat quarterback in the class of 2017. So hats off to him for overachieving that recruit ranking. And as you can probably imagine, playing in West Virginia's offense, and even at Bowling Green, he's had a lot of higher completion percentage seasons than a lot of these players on the list, these, these other passers. His best season, in my opinion, was 2017, just stat-wise. 2017 at Bowling Green. Almost 64% completion, 7.3 yards per attempt, 12 touchdowns, 3 picks. And similar to Jarek Garitano, Jarek is very experienced. And scouts are going to like that. They're going to see over or almost 1,100 attempts and say, this guy can come in and start for us as a rookie in a pinch. If he's our backup, he can play. There's not a ton of rawness to his game. But of anyone on this list, in this article, he is the least impressive physically. He's not very big. He can move around. He's pretty mobile, as most of these quarterbacks are at the college level. He's not going to run away from NFL defensive ends, and his arm talent is not insane. But, like it was with Mac Jones, and I think even in a way Mitchell Trubisky, and maybe even in a way Baker Mayfield, there is room to sell yourself as a hyper-accurate, quick decision-maker that's very productive. Even Kyler Murray. like I think Kyler Murray's got a strong-ish arm. So does Baker Mayfield. Trubisky, eh. Maybe that's part of the reason why he ultimately flopped in Chicago and is now a backup. But Mac Jones doesn't have a strong arm. He was a top half of the first-round pick. 
Now, West Virginia doesn't have like three first-round wide receivers, but it's an offense that he knows well. He decides to come back for his third season as the starter there in Morgantown after two years starting for Bowling Green. He should put up big stats. Because Jared Dagey doesn't have monster physical attributes, he's probably the least likely to be that Joe Burrow or Zach Wilson. But having said that, again, Joe Burrow did not have freaky arm talent or insane athleticism. Two more quarterbacks, Phil Jerkovic, Boston College, number four dual threat recruit in the class of 2018. He initially committed to Notre Dame, but he only threw 18 passes. It was mainly Ian Book's backup over the last two seasons, or 2018-2019. And then last year, he after transferring to Boston College, man, Boston College has some nice quarterbacks over the last couple of years. He, to me, jumped onto the draft radar because he's six foot five. He's in the two hundred and thirty pound range, and he is—I'm not going to say the next Josh Allen, but he is that big, toolsy, project, developmental quarterback that scouts will say, well, we know what we have to deal with, what we can work with here. And we like what we have to work with because he's big, he's physical, he's athletic. For his size, 6'5", 230, he's a very good athlete. I would put him in that Daniel Jones or a little bit more athletic than that caliber. And the arm talent is definitely there. I don't love how he looks when he's throwing the football, but you don't have to be picturesque to be a quality passer. It's kind of got like a hitch in his throwing motion, or it looks kind of labored. But then you see on film him throwing the ball 60 yards downfield pretty easily. Last year at Boston College, he completed 61% of his passes, 7.6 yards per attempt, 17 touchdowns, 5 picks. And he was scrambling and used in the design run game all over that offense. And remember, at Boston College, that is a – throwback. I'm not going to call it pro style. That's a throwback, like run it 40 times a game, play action, under center, drop backs, two and three receivers running out wide. Not a lot of pass catching targets in the patterns. So 61% completion. Don't think that's like too indicative of his lack of accuracy. He could certainly get more accurate, but if you want someone, if you want to say, okay, Jared Daggy is going to try to sell himself as this, hey, I'm super accurate and I've played a lot of football. Jerkovic can just say, hey, I'm 6'5", 235. I can really run and I got a big arm. And he could be in for a big season. I like, too, that he can throw the football to Zay Flowers. Remember that name? Big time downfield threat, yards after the catch type player. Had a big sophomore season last year for Boston College. He's back. So with a lot of these players, with Baker, with Joe Burrow, they've had some pretty good, Kyler even too, of course, at Oklahoma. They've had some good receivers to throw to. That's helped to have Jamar Chase, to have CeeDee Lamb, to have Marquise Brown, future NFL players. And I think Zay Flowers is a future NFL wide receiver. So Jerkovic is the, and I hope I'm saying that right. I, I might not be. 
because I haven't heard anyone talk about him. But that's how it looks like his name is pronounced. I've only watched his film. I should probably need to get on that. But you know, if you listen to this podcast, even I can get into March and I'm still a few names still not totally sure about because I'm just all about watching the film with these guys. The last player, the last quarterback on this list to end this episode, Max Duggan from TCU. He was the number five dual threat recruit in the class of 2019. So he entered the TCU campus with a fair amount of buzz. I mean, he was only behind Bo Nix of Auburn, Jaden Daniels, Sam Howell, and the Clemson quarterback who is the backup to the starter that I can't even pronounce his last name. Those are the only four that were in front of him in the entire country as being a dual threat quarterback. And fortunately for Duggan, he did, he was able to play as a redshirt as a true freshman, but I didn't get the best first impression because I remember watching Jalen Rager Eagles first run pick in 2020 watching that TCU 2019 film. I'm like, man, he is open so much. And this quarterback cannot find him really was limited by the quarterback play during the process. I'm like, Oh, that was a true, I find out that was a true freshman quarterback last year though, at TCU, he got his completion percentage above 60, 60.8%, a respectable 7.5 yards per attempt, 10 touchdowns and four picks. And Duggan wants to run. He is decently big. And wants to run the football. Like they want to use him in the design run game. He is unafraid, runs with reckless abandon, will take a hit, continue forward, kind of like built like a small linebacker. And I think his arm is pretty good. I think his arm, when it's all said and done, once he's in the NFL, will be above average in terms of NFL standards. TCU is perennially good. They're a team, they're kind of a team that you can pencil in for eight, nine, 10, 11 wins every year in that big 12 conference. And if Duggan takes another step and he's completing close to 65% of his passes, the yards per attempt go up. We see that dual threat ability that he flashed, even as a freshman, when he really struggled as a passer, teams are going to like that, that he has the arm talent. He's got a very prototypical delivery. A lot of throws down the field last season on target. Fastballs at the intermediate level, saw those two. And I just like, again, that I saw someone in Duggan that looked almost lost as a passer, as a freshman, but got that experience and then showed marked improvement by his sophomore season or in his sophomore season. To run through them again before I conclude this episode of the Prospect Podcast, the players I believe have the best opportunity to be the next Zach Wilson or Joe Burrow, that relative obscure name that ultimately goes inside the top three or top two in the draft. Jack Sears from Boise State, Chase Garbers from California, Jarek Garitano, Washington State, Anthony Brown, Oregon, Jarrett Daggy, West Virginia, Phil Jerkovic, Boston College, and Max Duggan, TCU. There's some other names that I think are too well-known, 
Emery Jones, Matt Corral, Desmond Ritter, Carson Strong, JT Daniels, Dorian Thompson Robinson, Kenny Pickett from Pittsburgh, Iowa State's Pac, bleh, Brock Purdy, Pac Birdie, Brock Purdy, and Arizona State's Jaden Daniels. But the players, the quarterbacks I listed and talked about thoroughly are included in an article at CBSSports.com. More details about what I saw on film and their statistical output early in their careers before they embark on what is going to be a very big season, not only for them at the college level, but for them to boost their draft stock. I think there's the talent, the situation, and the fact that they're not really that well-known to become the next Zach Wilson. All right, that'll do it for me tonight. I'm Chris Trapasso. Thank you so much for listening to the Prospect Podcast.